This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. Off a Thursday edition of In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150, KSAL and 106.7, where we don't talk politics, no financial advice here, just sports, and sometimes movies and maybe TV shows, but that's pretty much it. Entertainment and sports. He's Jackson Schneider. I'm James Westling. Jackson, what's on the docket for you tonight in terms of your viewing pleasure? That's a, a really good question. I don't know. It's I got to find something because it's a lot of packing is in my future tonight <laughs> because, James, today is the one-week mark. In less than a week, I begin moving to Salina, Kansas. So we are in the home stretch for that, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped up about it. Less than a week to go. It's the final countdown of Jackson Schneider getting over here to Salina. So that means that going forward, we're both going to be in studio pretty much every day, right? Yes, pretty much. As much as I do enjoy working from my little couch office here in Manhattan, I'm very, I very much enjoy being in person because I can bug you a lot more and <laughs> uh, we can have a lot more fun than we do over our, our um, virtual tapings of this show. Right. Well, with the way technology is, technically, we could actually both be at my house or your house, just doing the show from our couch, but still in the same room together. So maybe we'll have to explore that in the future and start going on location for In the Zone, even if it is just our living rooms. That'd be a lot of fun. All right, so we've got Eli Huggins coming up, the K-State defensive lineman. He is our last interview from Big 12 Football Media Days, which took place last week, but he's a really entertaining guy, and so I think you'll really like the audio. And I didn't realize just how good he was last season for K-State and all the preseason accolades that he's getting. Uh, he's going to kind of be anchoring that K-State defensive line with Felix Enedike Uzama on the outside. Uh, Huggins is the big nose tackle over the center. So looking forward to hearing from him. But before we get to all that, Jackson, I think today's a good day because you know yesterday was the deadest day in the sports world which means today is pretty much the second slowest day in the sports world throughout the calendar year. So I think it's just a good day to rip off some rapid-fire headlines. And I'm going to take the floor on this first one and keep it local. Big news yesterday out of Manhattan. You probably have picked up where I'm going with this. K-State men's basketball coach Jerome Tang landed his first big, 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 big-time recruit. Four-star point guard, day-day, Darren Ames from Chicago, Illinois, announced his commitment to K-State. He is a top 50 recruit, a four-star player from Rivals.com. He is the highest rated player to commit to K-State since Wally Judge back in 2009. Before that, it was a guy by the name of Bill Walker and Michael Beasley. This dude's a big-time player, and he's a point guard. He's six foot, super long, super smooth. He's left-handed, and he chose K-State over some big-time programs, including Michigan State. Huge get for Jerome Tang, and really the first big nationally prominent player uh, commits to K-State. Well, you mentioned he picked K-State over a lot of big-time programs, but the important one to me is Illinois for a couple of reasons. One, 
because this Day Day Ames kid is the number one player in the state of Illinois. Number one, like the best player in the entire state of Illinois, which has a lot of really good basketball programs, including Illinois and K-State alumnus Brad Underwood, who's running that program. And many people wanted K-State to try and offer Brad Underwood the moon to come coach at K-State. But here, Jerome Tang goes to Brad Underwood's neck of the woods and brings out the best player in that state. And I think that's a really huge accomplishment because not only is it the first recruit, but it is a huge recruit, as you mentioned, the highest rated recruit for K-State since Wally Judge, which is crazy to think about because I think I was in eighth grade when that happened. (laughs) Uh, But uh, the even crazier thing for me, James, is Jerome Tang's very first recruit that he has gotten to commit to K-State is higher rated than any Bruce Weber recruit ever. It took it took Jerome Tang less than four months to accomplish something on the recruiting trail that Bruce Weber could never do. Now, Bruce Weber was a fine coach because he did a lot with what he did pull in. Remember, K-State won two Big 12 championships with him, and they went to an Elite Eight and all that stuff. But it seems like the starting point for Jerome Tang is going to be a lot better for himself and for this program. And I think fans are really excited because there's going to be a lot more of of these type of recruits possibly coming to Manhattan. And kind of with the Jerome Tang theme in terms of the the guys that he has inked so far, he's a really long, really lanky point guard. I mentioned that he's left-handed. He's six foot. I mean, he would tower over Marquise Noel right now. And even K-State's other point guard um, on the roster, you know, he's taller than Nigel Pack was. He's uh, He's got some length to him. And you hit the nail on the head. Higher rated player out of high school than Xavier Sneed, who was a four-star Rodney Magruder, who was recruited by Frank Martin, but a four-star higher-rated player out of high school than Jacob Pullen, who's also from Chicago, and Marcus Foster as well. So uh, this is a big-time recruit for K-State and uh, super exciting for Jerome Tang, who, by the way, Jerome Tang did say he said it on our show when we had him a couple of weeks ago, but he said it a couple more times that they are still recruiting for this season. They've also offered a couple of junior college kids. There's some speculation that K-State is maybe thinking one of these guys could reclassify and be eligible to play uh, this year and be part of this 2022 class, but we'll find out here shortly, I'm sure. All right, Jackson, uh, Day-Day Ames heading to K-State is our lead story. What is your lead headline of the day? Mine is that the Georgia Bulldogs and Coach Kirby Smart have agreed to a new contract, which is a 10-year contract for the reigning national champion head coach, worth $112.5 million, which makes him the highest-paid coach in college football, more than Nick Saban and more than Ryan Day, more than Chris Kleiman, more than just about everybody. But his annual average salary is eleven and a quarter million dollars, which is the most in the country by a considerable margin. And he's going to be making that money all the way up until 2032, which is absolutely bananas. But um the, the money in college football coaching is only going up. Obviously, there's always inflation and things like that. But I feel like there's a lot of leverage anymore, James, because Kirby Smart, up until last season when they won the national championship, 
He was a fine coach, don't get me wrong, but I don't think until he won that national championship he would have had any prayer of getting anything close to this kind of money. But it just goes to show you that one national championship can change everything because I still don't think he's probably worth 11 and a quarter million dollars to coach a football team. But uh, I guess it just means more down in Athens. Yeah, and it's it's a crazy number. I, I'm with you on that. But with that said, uh, I, I have to say I do think he's worth it because – when you look at what Georgia has done the last five seasons, and he's been there for six, I think a lot of it has been overshadowed by the fact that Alabama has been winning national championships. But the second best team consistently in the SEC during this run in the last five years has been Georgia. And they've been going to New Year's Day, BCS, if you will, whatever you want to call them, Bulls. They won the Rose Bowl, lost the Sugar Bowl, won it the next year, Won the Peach Bowl, then they won the national championship. So I mean, he's gone thirteen and two, eleven and three, twelve and two, fourteen and one, and in those seasons with two or three losses, usually two of those losses have been to Alabama because they've played twice in the SEC championship game, and then uh, we've seen them play again in the national championship game the last couple of seasons. So I also think Jackson that a, a big, probably the the biggest reason why he got this money even more so than the fact that he won the national championship, is the fact that he's from Alabama. Even though he played at Georgia in the mid-'90s, he was born and raised in Alabama. And he was an assistant for Nick Saban for eight years, from 2007 to 2015, at Alabama. Nick Saban, who makes $9.5 million a year, is 70. He's not going to coach forever. He's probably got three to five years left at Alabama. So I think this is maybe kind of, a, I guess, Georgia trying to protect themselves from Kirby Smart leaving for Alabama in the next three to five years. What do you think? I didn't think about it like that, but I think that's a really good point. I didn't even, you know, I knew he had coached under Nick Saban for a long time, but uh no, that that definitely seems like a lock him up now while you get the while you have the chance type of move. So I guess I, I definitely understand it from there. But there's a sizable gap between him at one now making over eleven million a year and everyone else. Lincoln Riley's making ten million at USC now. Nick Saban is making like nine point seven, I think is the number. Uh, then Brian Kelly is now getting nine and a half million at LSU. There's a lot of big money coaches, uh, but Kirby Smart won national championship and he's making over a million dollars more than the next highest paid coach in college football. I just, I just think it's crazy. But as I'm looking now at a list of the the highest paid coaches in college football, there there are some head scratchers here. Um, N- Mel Tucker. At Michigan State, he's a, he's a good coach, right? I don't think that you and I are you or I are going to disagree there, but he hasn't done a a lot yet. He's only been at Michigan State what two years now, maybe one. I don't even know how long, but he is making nine and a half million dollars a year at Michigan State. But David Shaw at Stanford is making eight point nine million a year. More than Dabo Sweeney and Mario Cristobal and Jimbo Fisher, more than Lane Kiffin. That's that's crazy stuff. I'm I'm down a rabbit hole now. <laughs> David Shaw is a coach that I, I wonder 
when he when, when he starts, I, I guess, feeling a little bit of heat. Because when you talk about coaches on the hot seat, everybody talks about Scott Frost at Nebraska, um, among many, many others. But nobody ever brings up David Shaw. And Stanford, their last three seasons, they've gone 4-8, and 4-2 and two in the COVID year, and then 3-9 and nine last year. I mean, the guy hasn't been to a decent bowl game since 2017. They did go to the Sun Bowl in 2018, but is that really... Uh, a, a bowl game to be bragging about. I don't know. So it wouldn't surprise me to see David Shaw's name kind of start coming up as as a guy that, and he's also a name that has been tossed around quite a bit in the NFL. So maybe he makes the jump to the NFL just to avoid getting fired by Stanford. I don't know. But let me ask you this before we take a quick break here. Uh, okay, 11, whatever it is, $11.5 million that Kirby Smart is now getting from Georgia. As a K-State fan or KU fan, whichever one you want to use here for this uh, hypothetical, if K-State won a national championship, I'd say absolutely. Pay Chris Kleiman $12 million a year. What is the price for a national title? Because you said it's only one national championship. Oh, boy. But it's that's still, very, it, that's it's a, still very a national championship. Like It's still that's a, a very national championship. Yeah. I, I just know. I think Georgia fans would say, okay, we'll pay him fifteen million dollars a year if he wins his national titles. <laughs> I just yeah, no, that's a really good point. I, I mean what Chris Kleiman makes what, like three and a half million a year right now? I think so. Some somewhere in that range. I, I think Lance Leipold's in the twos, two and a half, some something like that. Um but it's I think his goes up throughout his contract, which it should. But Shoot, I it, I feel like it's a little different for programs like K-State or KU rather than Georgia because although Georgia hadn't won a national championship in like 40 years, they were at least in the conversation consistently, whereas if K-State just randomly won a national championship or for, for crying out loud, if Kansas won a national championship, that it, there's no amount of money that you could – like that was too much for someone like that. They would, they would build the stadium out of gold and name everything after Lance Leipold if he won a national championship at Kansas. And I, maybe that's what's happening at Kirby with Kirby Smart at Georgia. Maybe I'm misreading it. I just, I feel like it's a lot. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I forgot that he got Georgia to the national championship in 2017 too. That was actually his second appearance in the title game that's pretty impressive okay let's take a break are we doing eli huggins next jackson or are we going to save him for the last part of the show well let's let's get into him now to give us some time to grab some more headlines and and wrap up the show because i want to talk about the the basketball tournament that gets underway tomorrow too in our last segment okay our thursday edition of in the zone is brought to you by in my home the home health division of occ they're your local provider for skilled nursing home health aid physical speech and occupational therapy provided in the comfort of your home Choose In My Home as your home health provider for quality services. Up next, we sit down with K-State defensive tackle Eli Huggins. This is In the Zone. Welcome back to In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I'm Jackson Schneider, and we still have one more interview from our giant 
pool of interviews that we had from Big 12 Football Media Days last week that we've been rolling through for the last week or so now. And this last one was a fun one. It was actually the very first interview that I did the entire two days session of Media Days. And uh, hopefully that doesn't show through too much. But uh, Eli Huggins, K-State defensive lineman, great interview, great guy. Big-time potential, huge, huge contributor for that K-State defensive front that is supposed to be and should be a very, very formidable opponent for much of the Big 12 this season. So, without further ado, here is my interview from Big 12 Football Media Days with Kansas State football's defensive lineman, Eli Huggins. Jackson Schneider here live at AT AT&T Stadium here in Arlington, Texas for Big 12 Football Media Days. And I am pleased to be joined by my first Kansas State Wildcat of the day, Eli Huggins. And Eli, you and your team, I just want to start here. Six guys on the all-conference preseason team, which is the most in the league. And and you are one of of those guys uh, as well. So you, you know that this team has talent. Everyone in Manhattan knows this team has talent. And yet... Your team was picked fifth in the preseason poll. Is that something that you and your teammates have talked about already? I know that that just happened a few days ago, but is that something you've given any thought to as like a motivator or anything? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a motivator. Um, I wouldn't say it's something that we're not used to, though. I feel like going into every year, we're underestimated and doubted. Um, And that's just kind of part of being who we are. And uh, we definitely use that as fuel uh, going into the season. Now, last year, a great season as well. Bowl win over LSU. You started in this very building as well mm-hmm. with a win against Stanford. I mean, how have things built for you and your teammates in the K-State program since maybe that game in this building a year ago? And, and where do you see that momentum taking you in this next season? Yeah, we had a, a, a great start to the year here in the stadium uh, last year. I mean, that game went, went really well for us, and we were, we were super excited with the outcome of that game. Um, and I think that propelled us forward uh, to have a good season. Um, we're definitely not happy or content with last season at all. I mean, we have way higher goals uh, for this next season. Um, but finishing the year on the on a win is, is big because um, that offseason stretch can get pretty monotonous and boring, and every, every week you're just going out there and running and lifting and grinding. Uh, not having a game coming up anytime soon. Um, but when you when you finish on a win like that, it just propels you and gives you so much motivation and so much more drive. Um, it just makes you eager to get another one and get the next win. So I think it was very beneficial for us uh, to get that win and uh, kind of drove us right in the, the perfect direction going into the offseason. Now, you in, in your room positionally, I mean, defensive line is a super deep, super talented mm-hmm. room uh, with with you and, and Felix, and I know Khalid is working towards getting back to fully healthy. What is it like to be a part of a room with so many talented guys and so much depth that can really help to kind of catapult this defense? Yeah, I mean, depth, depth is huge. I mean, that's the name of the game at this level. I mean, who can stay healthiest longest is who's going to be the most successful most of the time. Um, and the great thing about our room, having so many guys all different ages. Some of them are young. I mean, Felix is super young and super successful. Uh, I myself going into my sixth year and uh, quite a bit older than those guys, but we all really push each other to be better. I mean, we can all learn from each other, even though we're playing slightly different positions and stuff, but we're all on the D line uh, doing a lot of the same stuff. 
Um, so I just say have, having the depth like that and having so many guys who are really good players drives everyone to want to be better and want to be the best, and it just pushes our position group and our room that much further ahead. Now, you, you said this is going to be your sixth year, so you've been around for the entirety of Coach Kleiman, and, yes. and you were there for the transition as well, mm-hmm. right? So what can you tell me about that transition and maybe some of the changes that happened with the new coaching staff and, and how you've started to get used to this and, and help to kind of set the tone for the, the guys to follow? Yeah, I mean, I, I came in with Coach Snyder, and I absolutely love that staff. Uh, I'm super appreciative and thankful for them. Um, but it's a completely different culture, I'd say. I mean, every, every staff, every school that goes through a coaching change like that, it's a new culture. And that culture change takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And uh, it, we're going on year four now with, with Coach Kleiman. And, and to build a successful culture, it, it, it takes time. And I think we're finally getting to the point where that culture is, is taken over and it is the identity of this program. And uh, I think it's going to be very helpful and beneficial for us this season. Now, again, we're visiting with Eli Huggins, defensive tackle at Kansas State here at Big 12 Football Media Days. And I, I know it's kind of hectic. You were ta- talking with me before we got the, the mics rolling that there's just so much going on and so many players and coaches from other programs. Are there any players that you're going to see from other programs here that you're maybe friends with or know just kind of through the business of football that you're looking forward to seeing? Uh, there's Yeah, it is pretty hectic around here. People running all over the place. Um, I don't know any of the players on the other teams personally. Um, obviously, I've played against all of them uh, multiple times and, and, and know them on the football field. But, no, I don't, I don't know any of these guys personally, no. Okay. Now, for, for your teammates, it's, you, you flew down here, and I'm sure that was an experience with all these guys kind of in the middle of the summer, crammed into a plane and got down here. Uh, are any of your teammates interesting travelers? Anything funny you can share with, with that's fun that y- you and your teammates have, have uh, experienced in your travels? Maybe not just this time, but in the past as well. No, there's there's definitely some interesting guys. It was awesome today flying down here. I uh, got to fly on a private jet, which was cool. Um, I'll say this: Random Platner flew down here with us uh, to do some other stuff around here, and uh, he was smiling ear to ear the whole time. And he he just said, "I I can't stop smiling. I can't stop smiling." Uh, just because it was so cool to fly like that and just be able to show up five minutes before a flight, hop on, go, have a, <laughs> have a car waiting on you on, on the tarmac. So, yeah, it was a, it's been a great experience so far. Now, before I let you go, Eli, I got three and out for you, which I'm sure you, you're a big fan of. Three and outs are always huge on yep. defense. Oh, yeah. But they're just fun, easy questions for you. So right. take the edge off a little bit. We're in Texas, which is obviously Whataburger country. Yep. Are you a Whataburger guy or are you biased towards something else? <sighs> I... I wouldn't say I'm a Whataburger guy. Some might say I'm a Whataburger hater, actually. <laughs> I think Whataburger is fine, but it is no better than McDonald's. It is, uh, I'm from Georgia. I'm probably a Chick-fil-A guy. I don't know if that's fair to kind of different different type of food, but uh, yeah, I'm a Chick-fil-A guy. Okay, now from, from Georgia, second question on the three and out. What's worse, the Georgia humidity or the Kansas humidity and heat we've been having the last few weeks? A lot of people are probably surprised by this. I'd say Kansas is worse. Um, the heat in Kansas is insane. Like it, it, we get the the worst of both weathers, so we get negatives in the winter, and then it's 105 in the summer. And uh, Georgia doesn't really, at least where I'm at in North Georgia, it doesn't get that hot. So in Kansas, you're working with 105 degrees and humidity. So I'd say Kansas is worse. All right. And last question for you: Of all the teammates you've got, who is the funniest and why? Mm. This one's tough. Funniest teammate, 
Got to go with Coach Tui's son, Titus Tui Asasopo. He is hilarious. Uh, he just always brightens everyone's day, has something funny to say, always joking around the locker room. So I'd say he's probably one of the funniest on the team. Awesome. Well, Eli Huggins, defensive tackle, Kansas State, thank you so much for your time today. Enjoy your time here at AT&T Stadium, and we'll see you in Manhattan. Thank you. Sounds good. All right. Again, that was Eli Huggins, defensive lineman for the Kansas State Wildcats. That interview from Big 12 Football Media Days in Dallas last week. But uh, great stuff. Very entertaining, very laid-back guy, but I know for sure he and his team are ready for football season. It's going to be fun to watch that defensive unit grow for Kansas State and uh, just watch the football season uh, for them as a whole. It should be great football-wise for both Kansas schools this year, but uh, especially K-State, who again has a real opportunity to kind of be a dark horse in the Big 12 title race but uh, great insight from him both inside the game of the fo- the game of football and out uh, but uh, we need to get to a break we'll be back to wrap up the show right after this you're listening to in the zone on sports radio 1150 KSAL <laughs> Sports Radio, 1150 and 106.7. He is Jackson Schneider. I am James Westling. And you just heard audio from Big 12 Media Days, our final interview. Who would have thought, Jackson, that we would have a full week of stuff when it comes to all the audio that you were able to get down in Dallas? But that was Eli Huggins, K-State defensive lineman, really good player for the Wildcats, kind of the anchor of their defensive front. Yeah, we there were a lot. We got a lot of interviews and a lot of things were were going on all at once. Next year, we got to arrange it so that you, me, and Sam can all go because there was so much going on, and I like you and I could only do so much because we were kind of tied together. But if there were multiple of us at the event, think of how much more we would have gotten because we would have gotten all the coaches and we would have gotten all those press conferences, all, all the different things that happened like simultaneously while we were re- recording some of these interviews, we would have gotten like at least double that if we had a, another person down there with me. I'm definitely going next year. I went last time, last time they had it in person in 2019, right before COVID. But I have to be honest, big reason why I didn't go this year was because I've taken a lot of time off for all my family vacations and I have one more vacation left and it's next week. My wife and I are going to the Dominican Republic. I'm super pumped and I just felt guilty about it. I felt guilty about being out of the office for another two or three days going with you in Dallas to, to Dallas because I knew how much fun we'd have and I just I felt like I needed to stay back here because I'd been taking so many days off. No, I get it. I do. I understand. But uh, I'm just saying, it would have been a lot more fun. We would have gotten a lot more done. I, I'm not I'm not faulting you for going on your vacations and everything. Believe me, if I could do that, I would. But instead, <laughs> I'm packing boxes, and my vacation <laughs> is moving myself 69 miles to the west on I-70 over the next week or so. So you you enjoy your trip while, while I do that. It's you, totally fine. You're going to have an awesome trip, too. I'm very confident in that. It's going to be a great trip for you. Yeah, All right. I'm sure. I'm sure it will. <laughs> so uh, I kicked off our headlines segment to lead off the show. We talked about Day Day Ames, the four-star recruit who just committed to Jerome Tang in K-State basketball. It's the highest-rated recruit 
that K-State has signed, according to Rivals.com, since Wally Judge in 2009, which would have been Frank Martin and his staff. And then we also touched on the ridiculous coaching contracts that college football coaches are starting to get spearheaded today by Kirby Smart getting a 10-year, $115 million deal uh, to be the coach at Georgia for the next decade. So, Jackson, why don't you lead off this uh, bit of headlines? What's your uh, he- headline for this third segment? Well, this is the last one that I had gathered, but it's more along the same lines of the, the Kirby Smart contract because this one is for Kyler Murray. The Arizona Cardinals quarterback just agreed to a $230.5 million deal, um, and that makes him the... I believe the second richest NFL quarterback, second only to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but Kyler Murray's going to make over $46 million per year now, uh, which if you remember correctly, he got, he got drafted also by the Oakland athletics for baseball. Cause he was a two sports star at Oklahoma. But the reason I bring that up is he made the right choice financially to go to the NFL because he could have been the best player in Major League Baseball, and he probably still wouldn't make this money, especially especially if he's playing for the Oakland A's because, James, this $46 million year per year that he's making with this football contract with the Cardinals is more than the entire payroll of the <laughs> Oakland A's right now. How easy is that? That's pretty remarkable, and I I will kind of piggyback off of that and say that I have to give a lot of credit for this contract to his agent, Eric Burthart, because he played the Cardinals like a fiddle. Remember when Kyler Murray, after the season, was moping around saying that the Cardinals didn't want to extend his contract, and he didn't know if he'd be in Arizona this year, and he started unfollowing the Arizona Cardinals on social media. I think he actually started following the Philadelphia Eagles. He was deleting all of his Instagram pictures of him as an Arizona Cardinals uh, quarterback. That all was drummed up by his agent. It had to be. Eric Burkhardt of Rock Nation. Side note there, same uh, group that the new Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormack, comes from. But Kyler Murray is a player. I don't think he's the second best quarterback in the NFL. The highest paid quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. But, I mean, he won Rookie of the Year in 2019, and he's been a pro bowler the last two seasons and has really good numbers. I mean, last year before he got hurt, he was completing 70% of his passes. He was on pace to throw for way over 4,000 yards. He had a 24 to 10 touchdown to pick ratio. He had a quarterback rating of over 100. And yeah, the Cardinals kind of fell apart down the stretch, but Kyler Murray, when he was healthy, he was dynamite last season for Arizona. Was he though? Because he he certainly didn't perform when in the win column, right? Like they got off to a great start, but I think I saw a stat where in his years as a starter, Arizona after Halloween is like seven and fifteen in terms of wins and losses. All right. So regardless of maybe his stats, I don't know that I would be willing to unload this kind of money on a quarterback that's not going to win you games. And I will I will say I don't think that's solely on his shoulders. Like don't get me wrong, he is a good quarterback. I don't again, I don't think he's worth this much, but he is still a good quarterback. But I think the issues are are more a combination of him still kind of developing at the NFL level and Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury just not being a very good coach. So it's a weird combination of that, but all 
factors considered, I still it's a that's a lot of money, and that's the theme of today's show. I agree. I agree. It's over, it's it's too much, but. I do think Kyler Murray's a pretty good quarterback. I think he's a top 10 quarterback. He went 9-5 and five last year as the starter. But you got to remember, he got hurt. He played the whole month of December uh, with a bum shoulder. And yeah, he went 1-4 in the month of December as the starter. But he was not himself that last month. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he just wasn't 100% healthy. That's fair. I just still, even then, if he's, have, if he's had injury issues, if I could talk straight, geez... If, but if he's had injury problems, if he's struggled staying healthy, like all of those are additional factors to maybe why you wouldn't write a check that big this fast. Yeah. Because, again, he's still really young. I don't know how, how old he is. He's 24. Yeah, see, 24, like, that's crazy. <laughs> so much can happen between now and, and, like, the next two to three years. Like, who knows? He may completely just fall off a cliff and be terrible, but then the Cardinals are going to have to eat that salary or figure something weird out. But I, I just, it's a big jump. I, I think that maybe reworking his contract so he got a bit of a raise would have totally been understandable. But to make him, annually speaking, the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL, that's, that's crazy talk. All right, so I'm going to wrap up the show with one final headline, and uh, we'll stick with the NFL theme. And I have to admit, Jackson, you totally took my lunch money when it came to the Tyreek Hill trade because I have completely pulled a reverse pivot and am now all in on this trade that had to happen, and I was not at the time. I was bashing the Chiefs in the front office. I was freaking out that they traded Tyreek Hill. And you told me just to pump the brakes and that everything was going to be fine. And now looking at the Chiefs roster, I'm very confident that that's the case. And I bring this up because the Chiefs actually have training camp starting less than a week from today. Actually, next Wednesday, July 27th, is the first uh, Chiefs training camp practice in St. Joe and at Chiefs.com. They have some phenomenal write-ups. They're kind of going position group by position group. But I learned some things today about the Chiefs' new receiving core. And I'm going to start with the rookie, Sky Moore, and tell you a little bit about him that, again, some things I didn't know. I knew he was kind of a Julian Edelman type, a little guy, a slot receiver. He's 5'11", 195 pounds. But I didn't know that he had the largest hands of any receiver at this year's NFL Scouting Combine. At just 5'11", he still had the biggest hands of anybody there, which is probably why in the 125 times he was targeted this year, he only had three drops all season. And he also led all FBS-wide receivers last year with 26 broken tackles. According to Pro Football Focus, they say they call him, uh, they say that he has uh, couldn't touch him in a phone booth kind of agility and went on to describe that agility, he has the best agility in this class. I'm just super pumped about Sky Moore. You know what they say about big hands, right? Big feet. Yeah, that that and lots of touchdowns, that's for sure. Big gloves. No, that, that is crazy. I did not know that at all. But that's that makes you feel a little better, right? I'm glad that you have come around on that whole trade ordeal because you were in shambles the day that that happened. <laughs> I felt like I was a therapist trying to calm you down and, and get you thinking straight, trying to trying to just make sure that you didn't jump off the nearest bridge. 
because that was a big deal, but I told you it was going to be all right. And I do think the Chiefs are going to be better off in the long run. They may feel some growing pains offensively, but I just you can't you can't eat that kind of money for for a guy who's probably going to start declining production wise. Why don't you turn that into multiple assets? For, save yourself some money and turn it into to a lot of draft picks like Sky Moore. So hey, it worked out way better for the Chiefs. I agree. All right. That's uh tasty. We can't no- go yet. Don't worry yet. We got like two minutes, right? No, I, I know. Because I want to talk about the TB, TBT. Oh, you we got can't... TBD? Okay. You got TBD. TBT, yes. TBD. The basketball tournament is starting in Wichita tomorrow. The festivities got underway um, or get underway tonight with like a three-point contest and some of the fun stuff. But starting tomorrow at 1 o'clock Central Time, there are four games at Coke Arena for the basketball tournament. And that includes the Purple and Black, which is K-State alumni, including Jacob Pullen, Mike McGurl, uh, Kamau Stokes, Michael Beasley, Henry Walker, uh, and I think Thomas Gibson as well. So it's a really cool K-State alumni team, and they're going to be playing at uh, 6 o'clock. And then at 8 o'clock, the Aftershocks, which is the Wichita State alumni, will also play. And I'm going to go down there and I'm going to get some interviews and, and cover both games. But the Wichita State alumni team has some pretty exciting names on it, too. Connor Frankamp is a part of it. Marcus McDuffie. Uh, there's uh, Rashad Kelly, Tyrus McGee, Shaq Morris. And uh, I, I think Ron Baker is involved in some capacity. I can't remember if he's a player or one of the assistant coaches but it's it's a bunch of the the cool Wichita State and K State players of the past competing in this huge tournament where the 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 winner gets like three million dollars or something like that to split amongst the team. It's a huge pot, but it's high level basketball and it's going to be on ESPN. And they have the uh, Elam ending. Are you familiar yes. with that? Yes, the Elam ending is crazy, which I know they I think they implemented it in the uh, NIT over the last year or so. But uh, it's it's different for those who aren't aware. They after like the first dead ball in the last like two minutes of regulation, they set a target score. So the game won't end until the team that's leading scores that certain number or the team that's losing comes back and scores that number first. Instead of having the game dictated by a clock, it's about scoring which I think is really cool. I don't want it anywhere near traditional basketball, but for tournaments like this, I am very much on board. Yeah, it's really fun. Basically, it eliminates teams fouling at the end of games and really slowing the game down and the end of games taking forever. It's a very unique, forward-thinking concept. Okay, so tomorrow, Jackson, you have to remind me, I have one more tasty nugget. We don't have enough time for it, but it's about Juju Smith-Schuster. Can you remember that? I can. I can definitely remember that. Okay. So we've got one more show this week. It'll be tomorrow at 515. He's Jackson Schneider. I'm James Westling saying goodnight from our downtown Salina Studios.